Welcome to another episode of the Impro Pod podcast. My guest today is Andy Hill. So you're a journalist and musician, right? That's right, yes. So tell me a bit about the magazine you write for. So there's a few magazines that I write for. The, the main one, I suppose, at the moment is the Virgin Atlantic in-flight magazine, which is a kind of magazine about travel and culture. And then I do various other writing jobs. At the, at the moment, I'm, I'm ghostwriting motivational speeches for this corporate guru guy. That, that's a really interesting job, actually. He, he just talks to me and then I put his words into a format that work really nicely. So I'm going to play a piece of music and I want you to tell me what it makes you think of. made me think of city skylines the, the beginning of it was really reminding me of george gershwin rhapsody in blue and so on i always really associate george gershwin with new york the gigantic blocks of these epic sort of hundred story buildings so i was imagining that and something about the way you built up the progression made me think of the sun coming up in this city. So I'm down on a street and I'm looking up at this forest of skyscrapers and the sun is just coming up and hitting them in different ways and at different angles. So I'd like you to tell me a story of some kind and then I'm going to break the story down into sections and improvise a soundtrack to the story. The year is 2012. My then girlfriend, my now wife, Sarah, decided to go travelling just before she started her job as a doctor. So we went travelling in China because I was just really curious. I was like, what's it like to be in this pseudo dictatorship at this particular point in history as it's just on its way up its ascendancy to be in the kind of dominant world power? So we bought tickets and we spent two and a bit months I think traveling around China and towards the end we went to a city called Chongqing we arrived there at the end of a murderously long train journey we were staying in this really ropey hostel 
and we just wanted to treat ourselves to a nice dinner. So we wandered out into the town and it was very much like a lot of Chinese cities in that there's a kind of old bit and there's this crazy, intense new bit that's just all like Louis Vuitton stores and just this astonishing, conspicuous wealth. And we found a sashimi restaurant, like a sushi restaurant, where diners sit in a horseshoe shape and in the middle of the horseshoe shape there is a hot plate which is metal and you don't touch it and the chefs in front of you cook sushi basically or cook like fish on it and it was quite an indulgence at this point in our traveling thing but there was a deal and you got unlimited drinks and unlimited sashimi i did what i did a lot at that period of my life and i just got really hammered just drank a vast amount of wine and me and my lovely young girlfriend just had a really nice time there was us there was a few other kind of western people and there was the wealthy the kind of great and good of Chongqing society gathered around and I was chatting I was holding forth about something and then in my wild gesticulation I knocked over my fat glass of wine onto the sashimi hot plate which caused the glass to shatter into a million pieces and the glass just went all over everyone's food the hot plate and it was just the worst thing because there was all these people just like every single eyeball around the table swiveled towards me like you absolute moron and then obviously everyone was hungry and (laughs) for dinner but the, the kitchen couldn't serve any of the food because it was probably contaminated with broken glass. So the chefs and the, and the crew had to busy around cleaning up all this broken glass and food. And just, it was a very palpable air of, who's this asshole? The staff were really nice about it. And I just got another glass of wine and just sat there. That's the story, a very humiliating moment that I return to in my mind often and cringe. I would have been in my late twenties. I would have been extremely scruffy having been traveling for six weeks. I would have looked terrible i would have had a really shaggy awful beard and really long hair i would have been a fairly obnoxious presence sarah my then girlfriend now wife she found it quite funny she wasn't massively embarrassed by it she enjoyed my discomfort and when we eventually left the restaurant we just went out i think we went dancing and had quite a nice evening actually in the end so i'm going to break it down into sections so you have a bit disheveled you've come off the long journey and there's this contrast between the really affluent modern buildings and then the old side to it and so you go to the restaurant and you have a good time and you meet these people and then the glass incident happens and yeah well there's there's some chaos and some regret there okay
you got some lovely discordance in there. It's risky, isn't it? But if you get the right one. The overall that repetition legitimises, I think, is so true in music. Whatever you're doing, if you just keep doing it in a regular pattern of some description that the brain can pick up on, even doing something just twice has that effect. The human brain is wired to find patterns in things. So if you give it the outline of even what looks like a pattern, it'll be like, found a pattern, found a pattern. And then the audience gets a little buzz because they've spotted something. Even the most weird abstract stuff, you just play it again. The pattern emerges. The pattern emerges and, and, and the buzz of listening is not necessarily anything to do with anything like an intrinsic aesthetic quality of the music itself it's just the pattern the difference between soloing like and How did that piece of music uh, reflect your experience? I think it, you, you did a good job of rendering China. I was expecting for the broken glass more of a chaotic, chromatic-y thing. I went low down to the piano, more glass-like would yeah. be something like... The ripple, isn't it? Not playing all, all the notes in a chord at any one time. This idea of being sharp but delicate. Do you have another story you can tell? The year is 2014, and it's the day I get my big break in journalism. I'm between my second and third year of university. I was in a band all throughout my 20s. I was touring, I was doing all right, went to America a couple of times, but it was just like, what, what does 40 look like? If you're still sleeping in the back of vans and playing gigs for like 40 quid and getting hammered. My fiancé had encouraged me to go to university as a mature student in London, where we moved for her first job. So I did, I went to Goldsmiths University and had very happy three years there studying history. And I'd been writing for magazines for free, just partly for fun and partly to blag into gigs for free for a while, just because I like writing in the same way that I like music. An opportunity came up to do an internship at Time Out magazine, which is the big culture magazine in London. And I got an interview and I went along to the interview and I I knew this was like a real opportunity for me. So I better not mess it up. I thought very hard about what to wear because I thought they won't want me to dress formally. So I put on this kind of velvet jacket and it turns out the person interviewing me was wearing exactly the same velvet jacket. I thought I'm onto a winner here. Didn't find out for a couple of days. I went to my job. I was working in a call centre at the time. So I I leave the call centre job in the evening i meant to go back for another shift and i get a message on my phone saying call me please and it's one of the employment people who are managing the internship so i pick up the phone and they said andy you've, you've got it you've got the internship it was three months paid to work at this proper magazine and i i was like thank you very much and i turned my phone off i didn't go back to my call center job ever because i didn't really like it and i just walked home it was about three miles to my home across london and it was a lovely sunny evening and the early summer and I just felt so good. I've done the thing I wanted to do, become a professional writer. I'm not fully there yet, but this is probably the single biggest step that I have to take. Just get in to one of these magazines so that I can prove myself. And I just remember absolutely walking on air, walking home through 
North London through Islington, past all these lovely old kind of Victorian buildings. I cut through a park, went along the canal for a bit, bought a pizza. So just w- walking on sunshine and being full of optimism. What was it like working in a call centre? So it was a charity fundraising call centre. It was intense. Like It was very numbers oriented. You had to convince a certain number of people per shift to sign up to a charity. And if you didn't, you were out. You were no good to anyone. And so the staff turnover was insane at this company. Every month they would hire 50 people. And by the end of the month, maybe two or three would be left. And I was good at it, actually. And I learned a lot. But it was also quite boring and soul-destroying. And also, when you get people to sign up, it's great. But there's obviously a lot of people who tell you to bugger off. (laughs) A lot of people don't like it. I'm going to go for this really intense time here in the call centre. And then you get the phone call for the magazine. And then... You've got this walk through London. Do you think that? I think you captured the intensity of call centre life. Weird human battery farm where you just sit people down and plug them into a machine. So back to the music then, how did that sum up your experience? If I was to play it again, was there anything that you would prove on? That little ostinato you found, I didn't know where it was, and that reminded me of the kind of the architectural fabric of that part of London. There's this late 19th century, early 20th century, described as Queen Anne style, which has got red brick and kind of white trim and like quite big windows. And that's what the, the piece was making me think of. The major tonality 
of it is nice. It's quite refreshing to me. And I think when I sit down to a piano and, and improvise, my instinct generally tend towards minor and dark because I find minor and dark more kind of interesting. And I think it's actually somewhat difficult to come up with something positive in a major tonality that's not cheesy. So you are, you're either cliche 145, which is boring, <laughs> or you go non-cliche and put in a major chord that's from a different key, yeah. but then that sounds like you're trying to be wonky for the sake of it sometimes. I find a good way of changing from one major chord to another is to use sixes and nines, and you get this kind of sound. I'd, I'd call that an Edwardian sound. I really like that era of music. Cole Porter era songs. I just think that that is pure magic to me. The main way they, they're in my day-to-day -day musical lexicon is as an ending chord because the Beatles use them a lot as ending chords. It just puts a nice little bow on the end. Like when you're making a pie and you just put a little lattice on the top. You do 2, 5, 1, uh, D, D minor 7, G7 and then C6. <laughs> I think my first encounter with that was the neighbours theme. Yeah. That's when good neighbours become good friends. Oh, yeah. That sixth chord was like the hazy curtain you walk through on your way into Ramsey Street. So what did you get out of this podcast? I think you did a really nice job. I really enjoyed that first improvised piece you played. That set the tone really nicely. I think we had a good conversation about soloing and repetition and it's always good to articulate this stuff i think because even if you know it the act of articulation beds it in a different way podcasters experiences just reminded me what a gloriously versatile and beautiful instrument the piano is do you have anything to promote so I'm, I'm, I'm also a musician uh, and I play piano and sing and I'm doing a pub sing-along at Things Happen Here, aka Meadowbrook, on November the 18th. An old-fashioned pub sing-along. I'll get on the piano and I will do songs that people can sing along to. As a little extra kind of gimmick, I'll do requests and we'll have a projector that projects lyrics onto the wall. And it's called Now That's What I Call a Pub Sing-Along. <laughs> and you'll see posters for it around that are in the kind of Now That's What I Call Music style of logo that i'm quite proud of those posters november the 18th friends okay well thank you very much for being on the podcast a joy thank you for having me my man join us next week for another episode of impro pod thanks for listening <laughs>